It's amazing when an actor brings gravitas and respect to a genre like horror, which for a long time didn't get that much in the way of props and accolades. But there are artists who bring that respect with them to the world of fright films and not only have fun with it, but give performances that will make your hair stand on end. These artists bring with them a repertoire that can't be ignored, and today on What the Fuck Happened to Our Favorite Horror Stars, we're going to be showcasing one of the best and a guy who's more than just a doll face, Brad Dourif. I want to thank you guys for watching Where in the Horror Are They Now? And ask that if you enjoy our shows, please subscribe to our channel, like this video, and click on the bell so you can be notified each time a new video goes up. And now, back to the show. Brad Dourif was born on March 18, 1950, in Huntington, West Virginia. His father passed away when Brad was only three years old, and his mother remarried a professional golfer named William Campbell. Dourif's family operated a dye business, not that sort of dye, D-Y-E, named Standard Ultramarine and Color Company that thrived and did very well. It was started by his grandfather after he came to the U.S. from Europe. Brad dropped out of college to pursue acting in New York, and it was during his time as a stage actor that he would be seen by Milos Forman, and the beginning of his film career would begin in a massive way. Forman approached the young actor and offered him a role in the now classic One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Dourif would get the role of the ill-fated Billy Bibbit, who is truly the heart of the film. Produced by Michael Douglas, the film would go on to get nominated for multiple Academy Awards, with Brad Dourif being nominated for Best Supporting Actor and the film taking home Best Director, Actor, Actress, Screenplay, and Film. Dourif would win the BAFTA and a Golden Globe for the movie. It would also give us one of the best acceptance speeches ever that included Brad Dourif and the rest of the cast when Jack Nicholson won multiple awards for Chinatown while he was filming One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It was, as Nicholson stated, white smashing. Brad would follow up Cuckoo's Nest with one of his first forays into the horror genre with the stylish and supernatural eyes of Laura Mars. Durf's character of Tommy Ludlow is one ball of nerves and is a standout in a film that has some heavy hitters in the cast, including Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones, and a very young Raul Julia. The story centers on Laura Mars, a photographer, who begins seeing through the eyes of a serial killer as they murder their victims. Laura joins forces with the police to help solve the crimes and catch the killer, but things take a very unexpected turn. The film is a classic of the 70s, and you should truly try and check it out if you've never seen it. If for nothing else, to realize Tommy Lee Jones has never really changed in the span of nearly 50 years. Dourif would have a lead role in his next film, Wise Blood, directed by the legendary John Huston, who also appears in the film. Wise Blood is another of those movies that have an amazing cast, with Harry Dean Stanton and Ned Beatty alongside Dourif. It's also a hard film to categorize, as it's very much got some dark comedy going on, but it's also a satire and commentary on religion, and the Times, as Dourif's character, Hazel Motes, is a young war veteran that comes back to start his own religion. That's against religion, as well as belief in there being such a thing as sin. Dourif's performance is riveting, and the film itself is a feast for the eyes. It's a twisted sort of southern gothic, which makes sense as it was based on the book of the same name that came out in 1952 by Flannery O'Connor, who specialized in that genre. Wise Blood went on to become one of John Huston's best films and is now a classic. Again, you should check it out. In 1984, Dourif would have his first film collaboration with another legend, David Lynch, with Dune. While the science fiction epic can be divisive when it comes to how well it represents Herbert's novel, there's no denying that Dourif's role as Piter the Mentat is one of the best things about the film. His delivery and performance as the twisted Mentat with the overt eyebrows and stained lips is one of the most memorable images from the movie, right along with Sting in his iron underwear. 
Durif would follow up Dune with the role of Raymond in Lynch's classic weird noir, Blue Velvet. This would be yet another movie that would wind up on many lists of greatest movies of all time and is considered one of Lynch's best films. 1984 would be the year though that would show the range of Brad Dourif and cement his status as a horror icon. That year he'd co-star in Mississippi Burning along with Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe. The film would break in awards and nominations about its story of a racially motivated murder set in the 1960s. That same year, Child's Play would be released, and the subgenre of the killer doll and horror would never be the same. Dourif would be the voice of Chucky, the possessed doll, and portray the non-plastic version of the fully named Charles Lee Ray. Created by Don Mancini, Tom Holland, and John Mafia, Child's Play gave full-on nightmares to those of us who always suspected dolls might be able to kill us in our sleep, or just, well, anytime. While Chucky was the stuff of nightmares, Child's Play also embraced the dark absurdity of the story. Even while we were terrified for Andy, we couldn't help but love Chucky. And apparently a lot of people loved the walking, cursing, killing good guy because the box office return was four times what the budget was. The success of Child's Play practically guaranteed a sequel, and two years later Dourif reprised the role in Child's Play 2. Also in 1990, Dourif would continue adding to his list of horror greats he had worked with by starring in the underrated Spontaneous Combustion, directed and written by Toby Hooper. This time Brad would be the heroic lead of the film, which follows his character Sam as he discovers his pyrokinetic abilities that came from his parents taking part in nuclear testing. The experiment leaves his parents dead, but their newborn alive and seemingly normal until his abilities manifest years later. But the power comes at a price, and every time Sam uses it, his body starts to deteriorate, burning from the inside out. 1990 was a busy year for Dourif at the theater. That same year, he would co-star in the Stephen King adaptation Graveyard Shift, where he would be on the losing end of some giant man-eating rats. He'd co-star opposite the great James Earl Jones in Grim Prairie Tales, one of those rare western horror hybrids, which was also an anthology film. But probably the creepiest and most terrifying film Dourif did that year was the third entry into the Exorcist franchise with Exorcist 3, which would also see William Peter Blatty, the man who wrote the original novel, write the screenplay and direct the film. It would also see the return of Father Karras, played by actor Jason Miller. Karras carries within him the demon, but also appears to be possessed by the spirit of the Gemini Killer, aka James Veneman, who Dourif portrays. Durf's scenes opposite George C. Scott are terrifying. He truly brings forth the insanity and intensity of the Gemini, yet there are moments where Durf is crying on screen while ranting, and you feel compassion for not only Karis, but also the twisted individual that the Gemini was and how he became that way. There are truly horrifying scenes throughout the film. You know the one. Many involved, including Dourif, were disappointed with the movie though, as the film had a lot of studio interference that changed much of what Blatty wanted to include. The entire exorcism climax was not part of the plan originally, but apparently the studio felt that a movie called The Exorcist 3 needed said exorcism. The Exorcist 3 though still holds up as a very effective horror film, and Brad Dourif gives a tour de force performance. 1991 would see, once again, Brad in not only some fun horror films, but also more highly pedigreed cinema with Jungle Fever by Spike Lee. The third Child's Play film would hit that year as well as the body horror film Body Parts with Jeff Fahey as a fellow recipient of pieces from the body of Charlie Fletcher. 
1992, Duroff would join the Critters universe in Critters 4. The following year, he'd add yet another name to that list of horror legends he'd worked with as he co-starred in Dario Argento's Trauma, a giallo co-starring Piper Laurie and Asia Argento. In 1994, Duroff would star as a mad genius inventor of the killer in the title, Death Machine. I feel like Death Machine is one of those underrated films that deserves a lot more love. Set in the far future of 2003, ouch, my age. Death Machine is a cyberpunk horror hybrid that's filled with all sorts of nods that horror and sci-fi fans will pick up on. Three of the characters are named Raimi, Yutani, and Waylon. Another character is named John Carpenter, while Richard Brake, who you will recognize from many a Rob Zombie horror flick later on, is Scott Ridley. The film is an unabashed love letter to flicks like Aliens and Terminator, with a healthy dose of gore and humor thrown in. In 1997, Duroff would become part of the actual alien legacy with his obsessed, crazed scientist role of Dr. Gaiteman in Alien Resurrection. In 1998, seven years after his last appearance, Chucky would get lucky in Bride of Chucky. This film would truly embrace the camp and crazy of Chucky and would add the lovely and deadly Tiffany, played by Jennifer Tilly, to the mix. Yes, indeed, we get to see Chucky get lucky and our virgin eyes would never be the same. Also in 98, Duroff would appear in Urban Legend, a massive hit and iconic part of the 90s horror slasher renaissance. It would also co-star fellow horror icon Robert England, and would again be filled with some in-jokes and references, making it a great pairing with Scream. In 2002, we'd see Duroff become part of another iconic film series, The Lord of the Rings, with his role of Grima Wormtongue, the evil and deceptive advisor of King Theoden. While not purely horror, Duroff's portrayal of the character is eek-inducing. He exudes a truly creepy and, dare I say, oily, greasy vibe. And honestly, if you haven't seen the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, there's something inherently wrong with your life, and you need to get it fixed right away. 2003 saw another addition to the Chucky family, was Seed of Chucky. In this film, the consequences of Tiffany and Chucky not thinking ahead about protection came to life in the form of Glenn, or Glenda, a nod to director Ed Wood, the child of Chucky, voiced by Billy Boyd. This film turns up the surreal and the meta of the Chucky universe and is the beginning of creator Don Mancini being in the director's chair and writing too. John Waters appears in it as a sleazy photographer who comes to a bad end. The film is strangely sweet with the relationship that Tiffany and her child have, though it's still a twisted flick on a lot of levels, of course. But Mancini created a queer icon yet again with Glenn Glenda, and the metaphor of being a trans child looking for acceptance is stitched into the story. Duroff would co-star in the remake of the gore and splatterfest Wizard of Gore in 2007, as well as become yet a part of another horror classic series with Halloween via Rob Zombie's remake as Sheriff Brackett. The following year, he'd return to the role in Zombies Halloween 2, as well as continue an ongoing partnership with Werner Herzog in the Nick Cage-starring Bad Lieutenant 2, Port of Call, New Orleans. In 2013, Chucky became even more of a family affair as Curse of Chucky was released. This entry would be a special one as Duroff's daughter Fiona joined the cast as Nika, a paraplegic who lives in an isolated house. We learn that the then-human Charles Lee Ray was weirdly in love, obsessed with Nika's mother, Sarah, and kidnapped her while she was pregnant with her. Charles wanted to create a family unit with the unborn Nika and her sister, Barb. Things don't go as planned, and the police arrive and Charles stabs Sarah in the stomach, causing the now-paralysis Nika has. 
His escape from the police is what leads him to putting his soul into Chucky, and now he's back to collect on his past debts. Curse of Chucky brings together all the previous films in a fine return to form for the little guy, with Jennifer Tilly playing Jennifer Tilly possessed by Tiffany. Did you get that? And Alex Vincent returning Zandy Barkley. In 2017, Cult of Chucky would really expand that same universe, this time taking place in an insane asylum where Nika finds herself after the events of the previous film. Chucky slips into the facility and discovers his ability to implant his consciousness into multiple Chucky dolls at the same time. There's a lot going on in this film, and while there's a lot of humor and fan-freak moments, there's also a lot of darker aspects. Nika's therapist has been sexually assaulting her while she's under hypnosis, there is a patient who had murdered her own child, and you've also got Andy dealing with all the trauma he experienced while dealing with Chucky growing up. The trauma left in Chucky's wake is also shared by the returning Kyle from Child's Play 2, who shows up to taunt a restrained Chucky at Andy's home. Cult of Chucky continues Mancini's winning streak with bringing back the classic character and using the genre to talk about trauma and how it can literally haunt us and change us. It's also a sort of passing of the torch a bit, with Fiona Dourif taking over from Dad. In 2018, Dourif starred as Daddy in the changeling wild child film Wilding, alongside his Lord of the Rings co-star Liv Tyler. It's a disturbing film, and Dourif's role is one of the most disturbing aspects, as he desperately tries to keep the young girl at the center of the story, always like a child, and not maturing. His reasons for that become clearer as she starts to become a creature of the woods, a wilding. While Brad Dourif's movie history is pretty impressive, he's also done a ton of television work as well. One of the first, and one that I remember even as a young girl who managed to see a lot of things she shouldn't have, was the ABC movie of the week, I Desire, about a female vampire preying on men who thought she was a lady of the night. Which she was, but not the way they expected. It also co-starred David Naughton, who had been a Creature of the Night himself in American Werewolf in London the year prior. Durf would appear in episodes of The X-Files, Tales from the Crypt, Millennium, The Hunger, Star Trek and Babylon 5, as well as appearing on the late Norm MacDonald sitcom The Norm Show as the devil, of course. In Disney's Once Upon a Time series, he played the Dark One Zozo, whom Rumpelstiltskin kills to take his power. And while it may not be horror, I think we can all agree Deadwood pretty much ruled. But when it comes to television, the biggest thing to happen to horror in a while is the sci-fi channel series which is Dourif returning to the role of Chucky. And this is pretty historic when it comes to our all-time favorite slashers. The one only other time to have a series of films and a TV series starring the same actor in the role was Nightmare on Elm Street, which had Robert England playing Freddy in Freddy's Nightmares. Chucky is a bona fide hit, reuniting not only Dourif with the role, but being created by, produced, co-written, and directed by Don Mancini. It also has Jennifer Tilly returning to her iconic role of Tiffany, and Jennifer Tilly, Alex Vincent as Andy, and Christina Lee as Kyle. It also sees the return of Fiona Dourif as a now-possessed-by-Chucky, Nika. The series continues on after the events of Cult of Chucky and introduces viewers to a number of new characters. The series has won a lot of accolades because of the representation of gay characters in the series. You know, I have a queer kid. You have a kid. Gender fluid. And you're, you're cool with it. 
I'm not a monster, Jake. Creator Don Mancini is openly gay and truly put a lot of his own experience growing up within the series with the lead character, Jake. It's uncanny how much photos of young Mancini look like actor Zachary Arthur, actually. There are a number of flashbacks in the show that follow the life of Charles Lee Ray before he becomes Chucky in different stages of his life, but perhaps the most epic of these happen when Fiona Dorif actually gets transformed into a younger version of her own father playing the role. It's simply awesome. Passing the torch indeed. Thanks to the success of Chucky, a second season has been ordered by Sci-Fi USA Networks and will be coming to the small screen later this year. Brad Dourif's already legendary body of work just keeps growing, and the man himself shows no signs of stopping when it comes to his work. Brad Dourif is one of those actors who I know will show up eventually in something that I love. He brings a unique quality to every role he does and makes every one of them memorable. No matter the film or the role, he gives it his all and enjoys it. I can't think of a better way to represent that than the fact that while filming Lord of the Rings, all the British actors thought he was actually British, as he kept his accent throughout filming, never losing it. That dedication and talent makes him not only one of our favorite legends of horror, but a legend of films, period.